My name is Andy Aday, and welcome to The Progression Show. I'm a seminar promoter, motivational speaker, and I help people take action. Today, I get to interview Kazra Maranu. He's the founder of Electronic Commerce. His company has done over a billion dollars in sales, and I get to pick his brain. So we're gonna take a seat here, and let's get started. So today, I get the opportunity to interview the founder, the, one of the co-founders of Electronic Commerce. Electronic Commerce is a payment processing company as, where, where are we at right now? In Orange. Orange, right. In Orange, California. In Orange County, in the city of Orange, California. Welcome to the Progression Show, Cosmo. Thank you, man. Yeah. So, you know, first and foremost, I want to learn a little bit about you mm-hmm. and how you get to a billion dollars in sales. That's really, I'm going to name this Mr. Billion Dollars in Sales. Okay. How do you get to get to that point. But before we get into the business stuff, who are you as a man? Kajra, of course, is my name. Uh, Family man. Uh, That's what I like to be known as, a family man. Mm. Um, Married, uh, children. And my whole objective, the whole reason that I got into this is so that I can have more time with my family. And and what is this when you say this? Payment processing. Okay. Right? So I was working at a school, barely making ends meet. You know, family of four, one income, making about maybe $2,000 a month, could not find a job, mm-hmm. uh, finally landed a volunteer job. Anybody can volunteer, right? So I got that opportunity, literally worked my way up. Like, you know, Kanye say, the guy worked his way up with the fries, whatever. I worked my way up. They brought me on board. I was making like eight bucks an hour, then 10 bucks. Then the school hired me. And What were you doing at the school? I was um, doing everything. No like, exaggeration. Like janitor? Like, I wasn't te- doing were you that. teaching? I wasn't doing that. But um, they hired, I was basically, I started off as a volunteer because uh, I do like giving back. Okay. Right? And yeah. I was in, in the inner city. Um, the only project in Orlando is where I worked, right? That was a volunteer gig. The project only, housing? The only project in Orlando. Okay. Yeah. And it was right next door to Project, project Housing. Um, it was a school. And um, <clears throat> I was basically passing out bananas and basketballs, right? Wow. <laughs> because it was children. You know, what uh-huh. else do you do with children right. during that time? And then we did like a little tutoring and things like that. And then the school board hired me for that elementary school. And I was initially uh, assistant teacher aide, right? That means you just sit in the classroom and pass out pencils, and erase the chalkboard mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. How many years ago was this? Oh man, this is like 10, 12 years ago now. And then uh, the school system hired me at another position. I think I might've jumped up to 10 bucks an hour after okay. two years, right? It was crazy, man. And then um, they finally hired, after the third year, they hired me as a technology coordinator. And that title is misleading because I fixed PCs, laptops, software, I built websites, um, shot videos as best as I could. (laughs) You know, I edited the videos, uploaded them to websites. Um, I was doing crossing guard duty. So you did it all. You I really did it all. Did it all. I mean, that type of, because you really had to do whatever you had to do at that school system. I um, also, I did lunchroom duty. I helped the dean with discipline. Sometimes. What age group was it with the kids? Elementary. Elementary school. Yeah. Elementary so now school. Uh, fast forward, and we're going to go back into that uh-huh. in our conversation. So fast forward, what are you doing today? I do everything. <laughs> you miss doing everything. I do everything, man. It's in my blood, man. Um, I don't believe that there's nothing too small or too big that I can do. Um, my partner and I started this business like years ago. And literally speaking, 
we wore every hat there is to wear. Mm. Every hat. Um, I was sales. He was operations. And, and I think I mentioned this to you before, like in a conversation, but sometimes people will call or business owners will call us, our clients will call, and we would have to squeeze our nose to sound like a different person. So they would, I don't know if I've ever told you this. Nah. Yeah, man. So, you know, a two-man operation, you can't, it's not really attractive for a big business right. to take on us as a client. Right. So they would call, and one day I would answer the phone, hey, how are you doing? My name is Joe. And then the next day... I was like, hi, how are you doing? This is Mr. Epstein. I would change my voice. I had like five different voices. Okay. My partner had five. So we had a 10-man operation. <laughs> okay, okay. I didn't know that. No, I didn't 10-man operation, man. Okay. And we grew that way. And I would go out and sell. I was the entire sales staff. Okay. He handled all the back office operations. Then we brought... So your, your partner, your partner Darnell? Darnell. And then so you go out and you hustle. I to sold get the, everything. So client acquisition, mm-hmm. and he handled the operations. All operations. Okay, cool, right. cool. Operations is tech support, customer service, underwriting <laughs> risk. It's a lot of hats. Yeah, yeah. You know, deal submission. You have to review the deals. I would just go out and sell, 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 and sell. Then we brought on telemarketers, right? Okay. Inside salespeople to help make appointments for me to go out and sell. I would also do referrals. I would network. I would do everything. Uh-huh. And then I would be customer service when I had to be customer service. I would be tech support. I would go out and install the equipment. I would fix the equipment. I would troubleshoot the equipment, right? Mm-hmm. I would handle any kind of issues they had with their previous Is that the vision that you have for yourself? I never thought I would be doing that. Nah. So when you started your business, you didn't, did you think that you were going to be doing customer service and all that? What was the vision that you had for yourself at the time when you first started? When I first, we, so the reason we started is because we got tired of being taken advantage of by the big boys. Okay, the we big boys being the big banks, uh, the big payment processors, other companies in our industry that were way bigger than we are. Mm-hmm. Like still today, they're just so humongous, right? They connected with. So how do you like, feel about like Bank of America? Um, I feel like they're big enough not to fail. Okay. You know, so whatever they do, I think they, they, they've gotten the bailout before. Yeah. Right? You heard about the bailout. No, I, I didn't, but I do know that it happens. Yeah, they got a huge bailout not too long ago. Um, huge bailout, right? Kind of helped to sort of like uh, twist the economy up. Now, in, in the bailout, did they get funded by the government? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so, yeah. so that's what you mean by big enough not to fail. Exactly. Gotcha. Right. Okay. So, Wells Fargo, similar situation, you know, just a few years ago. Yeah. Well, I mean, they they've been basically reprimanded for open it's all over the you know you can just google it yourself mm-hmm. so they've been reprimanded as well but that's what i mean by big enough not to fail and so we so got tired are, of interfacing with companies like that uh-huh. so we had to interface with them and because they're so big you know it's kind of hard for you as a small company to go up against a company that has an army of attorneys yeah yeah and money to burn when it comes to legal issues okay so we just say you know what Instead of complaining about it, instead of constantly running into a brick wall, we're just going to do our own thing. So what is the mindset that you had to hone in on when you knew that you didn't want to do the customer service, janitor, and play all the roles with you and Darnell? What was the mindset that you had to accomplish where you're at right now? To get out of that position? To get out of that position. To get out of the two-man operation and actually build this corporate office that that we're in right now. Uh, Well, first of all, it took a whole lot of work before we could bring people on. It really, it took a lot of work because it, there's a lot of expenses in this particular industry, ton of expenses. So it took a lot of work to do that. But the mindset is, was to grow. 
The only way you can grow, you can't grow just being a one or two man operation. So the right. whole mindset was if we want to scale and grow the business, we have to bring other people on that can, they don't have to do exactly what we do, mm-hmm. but at least they can supplement and complement what we do. So that sounds easier said than done that, I, that I've learned. Oh. What were some of the challenges that you had to overcome Ooh. back then? Um, I think if you're a person who knows how to deal with people, I think that's like, to me, that's the number one skill to have. If you can deal with people, right, and that was the biggest challenge is just dealing with the different personalities. You hire this person and this person, this person, and before you know it, you're dealing with like, you know, seven, eight, ten different personalities. This person is sick. This person doesn't feel like working. This person wants to come in and not work. This person wants to get paid. And, you know, it was just, you know, then you have legal issues with so many different things to deal with. So communication, man, um, communication is super key like communication consistently between who between you and your staff okay between you and everybody if you think there's an issue like to just not communicate about it it'll fester into a bigger problem it's almost like you know you cut yourself and you don't really pay attention to it then you let it get infected next thing you know you have gangrene you have to get your finger or your arm put off or something like that because you just let it continue on and on gotcha so you were just saying you were just saying when you see a problem nip it in the butt right then and there immediately Okay. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to be harsh about it, but absolutely must address it. So the biggest issues we had was, uh, and still, basically dealing with different personalities. That is the absolute biggest issue. Dealing with yeah. different personalities. Different personalities. Because or- everyone has different motivations. Some people, you know, you have in your team, they're really about the team, and they want to help the company grow. Others may just want to collect a check. Okay. You know? Okay. And then, so how do you deal with the people that want to work with the company, that want to support the company's growth, mm-hmm. and the guys who just come in and just like, I'm just here for the hourly, or I'm just here for my salary? So it took us a minute to come to the conclusion, man. You just got to gotta cut your loose ends, man. Okay. <laughs> is is that an ends. easy thing for you to do? Cut loose ends. Uh, in California, it's a little bit difficult because they have all kind of laws here that are, that are definitely favorable for employees. Okay. Um, so there's, you know, there's steps to do that protocols, you have to make sure, you know, you have legal counsel, maybe even working with ADP or something like that. Um, no, it's not easier said, it's not easy to cut loose ends at all, but it must be done. Absolutely gotcha. must be done. And they're pretty much put themselves in a position to, to cut themselves anyway, but some people will hold on as long as they possibly can just to continue collecting or, you know, whatever it may be. So... What happens if you don't cut? So, so now we're talking about being a business owner mm-hmm. and having employees and having a staff now. So we we don't pass we don't pass your your you know your startup phase mm-hmm. and now you have a team. Mm-hmm. What happens if you allow those people to fester into your company then you don't cut off those loose ends? Cancer, man. We've seen it happen quite a few times. So if you do, so if you have someone in your organization, your team, I don't care if it's sports, but in particular we're talking about our, our company, if you don't address it in a very clear fashion, um, it will become a cancer. Let's say you have a staff member who just comes in and does just barely enough, right? Other people will see that and say, you know what? Why, should, why, can't, why, why can't I do just barely enough? Because not mm-hmm. everyone is really motivated like that. You yeah. have some people who are superstars and they're gonna be motivated to make it happen. But you have some people that's gonna be like, you know what, they're chilling. I want to chill. Gotcha. The other person doesn't want to chill. Oh, they're coming in late every day, right? Oh, they're not a team player, or they're taking an extra, and I hate to, you know, people don't like to be micromanaged, and that's not how we are. 
We're not power management kind of people or organization here. But if you have one person who takes a break that should be 15 minutes and now it's 35 minutes, right? The next person is going to want to do the same thing. And I know people don't like to be micromanaged feel like they're working for someone else or in a company, but you have to have systems in place. Even if you work for yourself, you can't just take a three-hour lunch or decide to wake up, you know, at 11 o'clock when you have clients that see at 9 o'clock just because you're the quote-unquote boss. boss yeah. And it's the same thing if you're a team member or a part of the staff. Okay. There has to be systems in place, and not everyone likes to follow a system. So there are going to be tons of people who possibly want to get over, right, or do something else outside of the system. And if you don't nip that in the bud, if you don't cut that, then everyone will be doing the same thing. And even others who may not adopt that mentality, if you allow others to even see that that's happening, it'll make you look weak as leadership. Gotcha. Okay. So now I'm going to ask you for some advice. As you know, I just started a new company. And my objective is to have 100 sales reps by the end of 2019. Okay. Right now, I'm about at 10. Okay. So if I know if I grow to 90, if I have 90, mm-hmm. if I add another 90, you know, we know that there's turnover. Mm-hmm. But if I add 90, by the end of 2019, mm-hmm. I have 100 reps. Now, what problems do you foresee by me having that, that many employees? And then, mm-hmm. and yeah, so what, we're going to start off there. Are there 1099, W2? Actually, let's let's touch on that a little bit. Okay. You know the 1099 versus W two. That's like a. I, I just saw on Instagram, my Instagram at Andy Date. I just saw on my Instagram. I was watching someone's story, and his mm. license plate said "No Job," mm. because he's a 1099. He owns his own business. Mm-hmm. Are you in favor of the W two, or are you in favor of the, the, the 1099? From both aspects, the business owner's aspect, and mm-hmm. then you being the 1099 W two. Me personally, I want the 1099. Okay. I just enjoy my freedom that much but um that's not for everybody that's not for everybody but you just said you just said that you know there's there's this you gotta put systems in place so right you don't really have the freedom if you have to follow the same similar systems as a w2 well see not every 1099 can wake themselves up in the morning on time like joseph just left here 10 o'clock what, 10.30, whatever time it is, 10.30 p.m., so that he can get up in the morning and go see a client that's almost in San Diego at 5.30, 6 in the morning. Most 1099s have a I'm-the-boss mentality. Mm. They're not waking up. They're not answering the phone when their client calls, right? And we had to condition Joseph to be like that, right? He is a, he's a family man himself. He has a wife. He has a little baby. So he has, drive, he has a drive and motivation to make it happen for his family. Not everybody has that, right? It depends on their circumstances. So a 1099, if they're disciplined enough and if they have a system in place, and that's and if you have if you're gonna put the system in place for them mm-hmm. as the leader, it's gonna take either you're gonna to have to take your time to do it, or you're gonna to have to bring someone else in to do it. Because they're gonna need motivation gotcha. every single day. So then so then how important is this I I heard you say discipline a few times. How important is discipline in being successful, whether you're 1099 or W two? Oh, it's extremely important because you can be successful as a W-2 and you can be an intrapreneur, right? Um, I think, and I was just thinking about this the other day, uh, and a lot of people want to be only the entrepreneur, but they don't think about what makes a company grow. It's not just the entrepreneur. The entrepreneur has the idea, right? Every entrepreneur, I mean, how many people have ideas? Everybody has ideas, right? Michael Gorber wrote a book called The E-Myth, and he talked about the entrepreneur, he talked about the manager, you talked about the technician, 
right? You can't really be all three effectively. Mm -hmm. That's why we have tech support because I can't be the tech support anymore. It's past me. It's just too much information to maintain mm -hmm. or retain. I can't necessarily be just the manager, okay. right? Because, and then I can't necessarily be only the entrepreneur. Um, so I'm sorry, I can't be all three of those all at the same time effectively, right? Because mm -hmm. as an entrepreneur, you come up with ideas, but then you need somebody to execute those ideas. You need a good manager to execute those ideas, right? And the manager can't really be involved in the tech on a day-to-day -day basis, right? So you have to separate all three. You have to find someone to who can fulfill do, those roles. To fulfill those roles. Gotcha. Right? You got to find someone to fulfill those roles. So, um, and I'm trying to get back to the original question that you asked. 1099 versus W-2. 1099 versus W-2. So if you have a group of 1099s, Remember, there's no consistent pay. Mm -hmm. They have to go out and sort of what, kill what they eat. Right, right. Right? And a lot of people are comfortable. I, I don't know how. <laughs> a lot of people are comfortable. Super comfortable. So what's going to make them get up every day mm. and go out there and get it? Like, and some people live for the weekend. They make enough money for the weekend. So they, they, live, they, they work just for their standard of living. Just for standard of living, right. Why do you work? Uh, I have family. Okay. I have family, I have staff. I mean, aren't you at a point where you can sustain that all? You can, but staff wants, they don't want the same amount every six months. Okay. They want more money, right? So what So then what, what I'm really asking is what drives you? Uh, well, I have family. Mm -hmm. um, I also have staff, right? <laughs> okay. Right? So I'm going to tell you why, what I mean by that. So every business has to continually grow, right? Is that every a must? Business. It's a must. Why is that a must? Um, how can you? How else can you keep up? If you just stay flatline mm -hmm. as a business, right? Your expenses are always going to be rising. This space here, three percent every year. Okay, inflation. Yeah. Yeah. No, not including inflation. Now it's six percent. If you mentioned inflation, six per three percent is what the increase is for the On space. On the rent. Okay, got every you. year. Okay. Right. So you have that. Then you have staff members. If you work for a company and you start off at fifty k per year. You want 50K the next year or two? No. I want more money. More money. Yeah. Right. So I have staff. Okay, <laughs> right? gotcha. So I got to keep it going. Even the people who are 1099, if I take my foot off the gas a little bit, a lot of them will as well, especially when they get to 20 and 30 and 40K per month. They're chilling. Mm. Right? So now they're comfortable, right? And the business is existing as it is on that level. But then how about the other people who are here? We still need to grow. So that means we need fresh blood. Okay. Fresh blood. So... That all those are motivating factors for me. Gotcha. All those. And who knows, right? You know what? Maybe somebody else may come behind me and want to step in my shoes, right? But if they come in here and the company's flatline, who wants to come here and help build right. something like that? So I do it for staff. I do it for W-2. I do it for the 1099s. And I also do it for my family. Then I do it for myself as well. And it's not really just about money, but it's like, okay, what can I build? Right. Mm -hmm. What can I build? How can I help other people? I help tons of businesses, and I know it may it may not seem like it, but I do some really good stuff for a lot of businesses. Um, also, I feel good when I help another person who may not have had this opportunity, or even that they don't know how to sell. Right, okay. Joseph and a ton of other reps. Right, show them how to create, you know, recurring income. How to build systems that make money while you sleep, right? And I think that's a super unique thing and, to have. And that intrigued me when we had a meeting. So, mm -hmm. just, so just so you know, me and Cosra had a meeting a few months ago, actually a few weeks ago, about his business plan and business opportunity. How important is reoccurring income when you're talking about building wealth? So 
uh, Warren Buffett, right? Everyone mm -hmm. knows who Warren Buffett is. He says that if you don't find a way to make money while you sleep, you will work until you die. Mm -hmm. That's what Warren Buffett said, right? So for me, recurring income is key. You think about um, Jeff Bezos, right? Mm -hmm. He has recurring income all day, every day. And now when he first started Amazon, people laughed at him. I remember the CEO of Microsoft called it Oh, that's hobby money. Because wow. he seemed like he was just play, play money yeah. right at the time. Now, you buy a book on Amazon or you sell a book, they may keep only 50 cents, but 50 cents times a million copies every day. Yeah, it's a lot right? of money. In different countries, right? It's a lot of money. It adds up. They pass FedEx. They pass Walmart, right? Small, but it adds up. That's recurring income. And people are buying and shopping on Walmart all day, every day. The largest cloud system. Right? He has the largest cloud system. Does he? Yeah. Oh, AWS, yeah. The largest cloud system. So, I don't know what the name of it is, but, man, they have the government. Amazon Web Services. Yes, exactly. There you go. Um, so, he has that. You think about, um, and he makes tiny percentages off of everything. How many businesses are on Amazon? If you want to become an author, you pretty much go to Amazon, right? Mm -hmm. If you want to create an ebook, there's two things, there's two platforms, KDP, Right? Mm. Or create space. He owns both, both of them. Right. <laughs> he owns both of them. Yeah. So he's kinda like, I mean, how how do you pass FedEx? How do you become right. like how do you pass the actual courier for what they do? Right? That's not even his field. It's not even his area of focus. So he's covered everything, man. Everybody uses Amazon today. He's pretty much in every country. You think about Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett owns a piece of US Bank, mm -hmm. Bank of America, Goldman Sachs. The only other company that has more market cap than him is Apple. He has he owns a significant stake in Apple. Mm, he has his foot. He has his piece everywhere. Southwest, United Airlines. I mean, you go down the list. He owns a substantial piece of all, all right. those. Even piece of Wells Fargo. Even American Express. Gotcha. Right. He even owns Flyjet, which is basically a private jet company. I mean, the dude owns a little bit of everything. So it's important to have recurring income. Recurring income. So recurring income is, is, you know, that's interesting because when I was in sales, when I was doing a lot of like, you know, the, my door to door sales, so my sales background, someone came up to me, he said, Andy, I just had an epiphany. Employees chase hours. Mm -hmm. Salespeople, 1099s, chase contracts. Businessmen chase percentages. Mm. Mm. That's key. You chase percentages. I just I just got done finishing up a contract for okay. I'm broken a deal right now. Okay. And in there, I'm looking at it and I'm looking at how much money's involved, and I'm taking 25% of another per, you know another percentage. Mm -hmm. So that ends up being a small percentage, but it all adds up. It adds up. And I'm man. saying to myself, wow, this is a different concept mm -hmm. from when I used to chase contracts. Yep. And before that, I used to Chase hours. Okay. Like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get the hours. I'm trying to get right. 40 hours. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? like, right. how that was. Right. And uh, we don't look at that anymore nah. as, as businessmen. We don't look at the hours. Right. How many hours do you work a week? I don't know. <laughs> you don't I mean, know? You know, that's a good question. I don't know. Sometimes, I mean, shoot, I've been here all day. Yeah. In and out. So, I don't know. Did I have, Maybe I had a 16-hour day today. Uh -huh. But it's not like straight 16 hours worth of, right. 16 hours right. worth of work, right? You know, um, and that's interesting you said that because... You know, I have no idea how many hours I work. Would you consider this interview, you know, where your office, it's 11.03 at night. Mm -hmm. you know, I called you a few minutes ago and said, hey, mm -hmm. let's do an interview. Mm -hmm. Would you consider this to be work? You know what? A lot of what I do, man, I don't consider it to be work, but it is work. Mm -hmm. um, 
I don't know. I don't. I don't think I would consider this work. You would, even though, even though, there is, and there's a there's a purpose and intent for what we're doing. Right. Right. So I was earlier today. A couple guys came by here, and we were just kind of like having a chill moment, mm -hmm. but it was still work involved. Yeah. Right? We're still handling business. Another guy came by here today. We had, after that, he, we had dinner together, and it ended. We ended up talking about. Work right, right, and it doesn't mean we were working per se, but we were discussing it, you know, brainstorming, coming up with ideas and things like that. But if we, if I put this on my Instagram, for example, and I put this on YouTube, mm -hmm. and then someone says, "Hey, I loved Cosmo's story. I loved his message. Mm -hmm. Recurring income. I want a piece of that." Mm -hmm. And they call you, which you can. You can call Cosmo, tell him Andy sent you, mm -hmm. and they come work for you. Mm -hmm. They become a sales rep, and you know, they they become one of those sales reps that's making twenty, thirty, forty k a month. Mm -hmm. Would that have? Would now is this considered work? You you just acquired a sales rep. No man, this is just what we do. I don't even consider it work because. So how many hours do you? If you were to think about it, how many hours as a businessman do you actually work? I'll be honest with you, man. Sometimes I don't work a lot at all. But sometimes I do work a lot. Like I've been here many nights with DeAndre, right? And, DeAndre, and who is DeAndre? DeAndre is one of the techs here, right? And you can't really run a business like this without a tech like him. Okay. You really can't do that. So you need those entrepreneurs in your in your company. And I'm going to get to this point real quick. And what I was going to say is that the reason I mentioned that whole E-Myth book is because, man, you need people who know how to build businesses. They could be entrepreneur. They could be the CEO. They could be the VP. They could be staff within the organization that know how to build businesses, right? And you can have a team of people who know how to, that's how you really grow because Amazon didn't grow with just Jeff Bezos. Right, right. Warren Buffett is not just handling all those businesses himself. Mm -hmm. Neither is Bill Gates, right? So these people have, they're surrounded by people who don't go by the title of CEO per se, but they know how to get the job done. The yeah. entrepreneurs come up with the ideas. Mm -hmm. You follow me? Yeah. Like the tech guy. He's going to get it done. He's the one who programmed the device to get or the payment system to give to Joseph, not me. <laughs> but so, so and, and here's the thing. I pushed it to make it happen because if I had to let it, just leave it up to him, he would he would have told the guy he can't come get it tonight. Uh -huh, yeah. So that's why you need, you know, you need the that different motivation. personalities. Okay. Right? Cause he's not a salesperson. Mm -hmm. I'm a salesperson, man. We're going we need to get the deal done. Right? We'll think about you know, the protocols after a while, you have to have systems, but in this case, we need to get the deal done. And so that's why you have to have the different personalities, the tech. The tech is like, all I do is tech. You're not thinking mm. sales. You know, the manager's like, wait a minute, we need to have the exact system and protocols in place, right? The entrepreneur, which should be a marketing and salesperson, and for the most part, we need to get the deal done. Gotcha. Because the deal done is how all of this, this is paid happen. for. Exactly. So, based on what you just shared, then that salespeople are the most integral part of the organization. I think it's uh, well, that's who makes the money, right? But, but, um, I think it's it's a good symmetry because the salespeople go out and get the deal, and some salespeople are really good at getting the deal, but they're not good at maintaining the deal. Right. And in order for that salesperson to have the quality of life that they want, where they can go out, because you can burn out as a salesperson. It yeah. is it is sometimes a significant amount of work in spurts. So you need a chance to chill and recharge. Yeah. You got to have the tech. Yeah. OK. You got to have the tech. You got to have the customer service there so that you can go and do all these different things. That's what gotcha. the tech so is. Yeah. I mean, you can't be. 
your tech and customer service all the time. Like I said, I did that in the beginning. Man, now I was working 60, 70 hours a week back then probably, just working, 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 working. Now sometimes I may work 20 hours. Yeah. I may work 40, I may work 30, I may work 10. I don't even know. I'm actually curious as to like when you work those 30 hours, like how many hours are you actually working? I really, I really, I think honestly, man, honestly, I think that effectively we really only need to work maybe four or five hours a day. Four or five hours a day. Effectively. Because you, you can't really work eight to ten hours straight. So you can't even four hours, you work five days, you work five days out of a week. So effectively, really, you're only working 20 hours. Basically. 20. And even with the sales consultants that go out there and get it, they'll say, oh, I worked a 12-hour day. But your 12-hour day... You can't consider being in the car working because you because because you're driving to like I fly here from California. I'm bringing from Florida to California. That's a five hour flight. It may take me, I don't know, forty five minutes to get to the airport. I can't count that as working time. Mm-hmm. That's just traveling. I'm traveling. Okay. Right. When I step in here and actually start doing some work, then I'm working. Okay. Right. That's just concentrated hours. So of work. out of all the out of all, the whole entire day, how many how, how many hours did you spend here today? Uh, I arrived here at 7.15 a.m. So you arrived here at 7.15 a.m. Right now it's 11.08 p.m. So out of all the hours, effectively, you probably actually put in four hours to work. Four to five. I, four. Was, I was at the uh, Burke Williams next door. It was a spa center. Yeah, yeah. I was there for two and a half hours. Right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right? That's the boss life. Hey, right. I mean, you got to recharge. Right, right. right. Um, I had dinner with one guy for about an hour, hour and a half, even though we kind of conversed about business. Um, I had lunch with the other two guys that came by here earlier. That was about a good half an hour. I had a meeting with two uh, extremely successful um, sales ladies. But those those things, those are necessary to grow your business, would you say? Those relationships and those, relationships, those things that you do. Yeah, so, yeah, it's not, sure. so it's not that if someone walked in here that you start talking about processing, 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 nah. and then get, you get kicked out. No, nah, not at all. You need to talk about the personal yeah. and yeah, build a relationship. Building, building relationships is absolutely key. And the conversation that you have. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you're someone who I would say is very successful. Mm-hmm. You've done over a billion dollars in sales, and now your objective is to decrease the amount of time that it takes you to do a billion dollars in sales. So now, how much time in a conversation would you say is actually focused on business and versus personal? Me, For me, I try to... It's going to be weird, but I try to get the person to get to know them on a personal level as much as I can without being too personal. I don't know if that makes sense. Okay. Basically, I want to know everything about you. you whatever you want to tell me, right? You had a fight last night. <laughs> whatever you want to tell me about you, I want to know all the problems that you have, why, all why the fears you, that you have. Why do you want that? Because if I know everything, if I know all your problems, then it's going to be easy for me to find, give you the solution. Gotcha. Super easy for me to give you a solution, right? So you tell me, you know, why the bank screwed you and why you feel like this salesperson screwed you yeah. and this company screwed you and, you know, and how that sales rep said this and texted, but how everything sucks or whatever. Okay, no problem, right? You know, and now I know kind of like what you want to happen at the same right. time. So my job is easy. I don't even really have to be a good sales, but I don't have to be like a expert salesperson to sell you something now. You know, I find out that, hey, you know what? You're hungry, um, you haven't eaten in days, or you don't have that much money. I know what your problem is. You need money, right? You've mm-hmm. already told me what all your problems are, right? You meet a woman, and if you just listen long enough, you find out everything you need to know, like mm. all her issues. And then without necessarily having to sell her, you can basically paint a picture, 
right? You paint this picture, and she would love to see herself in it. Mm, you follow me? Yeah. So you don't have to like kick the door down or have any kind of like hard pressure sales tactics if you paint the picture right. And of course, it needs to be right for that person. But uh, that's how I like to. Uh, that's how I like to. So I like to get it. down to a number. Mm-hmm. Con- you have a conversation with the client. Percentage of business mm-hmm. or percentage of uh, personal? Um, I'll, I'll allow them to give me as much as they want to. I don't really pry into their personal life at all, to be perfectly honest with right, you. So, so let's consider it non-business versus you actually talking about your product and services. I would probably say 80-20, not talking about the product. 80, 80 is? 80, they're just basically telling me... Um, well, let me back up. I would say about 40% of that is they're telling me about their personal life and what's okay. going on, right? I, I, I do like to get to know people. You have children, all that kind of stuff, right? So 40 personal. 40, 40% personal, right. of the conversation is personal. Personal. And then the other 60%, especially because they may not be the owner per se, and no one wants to just be sold. I just come in, like you said, just start talking about payment processing, payment processing, like I'm not, like I'm a robot now. Yeah. So I allow them to open up and explain whatever they want to explain to me. And Depends on the person. Some people aren't, don't like to really get into their personal, right? They'll just tell you, hey, this is the, these are the issues that I have within this company, right? And I'll let that be the conversation. And I really kind of feed off of, you know, their energy and what they feel like communicating with me. They may not have enough time to okay. talk, you know, a whole lot that day. They may be pissed off with something that already happened. But it's always a good idea to build rapport and a connection. And you can't really build rapport and connection just talking about your product. Gotcha. So is it, is it sixty percent now in business, forty percent personal? Yeah, I would say that. I okay. mean, because you went from eighty twenty to forty six. Yeah, and the reason I said that is because over time you do get to know people more on a personal level over time. So over time, it turns into eighty percent personal, twenty percent business. I wouldn't say that because I don't like really hang out with okay, you yeah. know with everybody like that or even with clients like that. Um, but over time, I get to know them, and now with social media, you can kind of find out a lot about people anyway. Yeah, that's right? true. Just, you know, look them up, and hey, man, you know, I'll see that, you know, uh, you had you went to church on Sunday. You yeah. Know? Or, oh, wow, congratulations, you know, your daughter just graduated from kindergarten or whatever, something like that, right? And then they'll go into it, you know, and it just sets a connection. Like, oh, you know what? He cares enough to at least acknowledge something that happened in my life outside of just him or the company making money. Oh, okay, clear. So it's like building clear. rapport, yeah. Building clear. rapport is like super important. So so there was a question that I asked you that you didn't answer. Mm-hmm. And the question was, so as I get to grow my company, mm-hmm. what challenges do you foresee that I may have to bear? One is going to be, the major challenge is having, not having a system in place. So let's say you want 100 people, right? Mm-hmm. If you had 20 people to show up tomorrow morning, tomorrow morning at your office, would you be able to handle that load? Mm-hmm. They could just come right in and start working right away? Yeah. You have a system in place then. Yeah. All right? So if 30 people came in, boom, same thing. Correct. No one needs to be like, you don't have to like do any individual training. Well, yes, I would. I would. Okay. So that means if you, there's no way. It, it, it wouldn't be individual. It would be group training. Okay. It would be group training. Okay, it'll be, it'll be group training, and I'll be able to if it, if, it's, if it was a hundred people, they would have to get training first, and then I would rent out a seminar at a hotel. I would rent out a hotel at a seminar. I would create a okay. seminar at a hotel for this. So, group. so if a hundred people started to wanted to come tomorrow, you wouldn't be ready to handle all those people because you'd have to get the hotel, blah 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 blah. Yeah, blah. yeah. And if you had to go away for whatever reason, vacation, whatever, it would stop. 
Yes. So what I mean by having a system in place is that whether you're there or not, it works and it runs on autopilot. Okay. And it doesn't mean robots and, you know, funnels are running. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but you have people on the team, on the squad, where if 10 people came in, 30 people came in, 50 people came in, and it could be in Florida. Mm-hmm. The system is still running. And okay. so, so people could come into your organization, learn how to sell the product, and actually start selling it with or without you there. Okay. So number one, create a system. Then what's the, So what's another challenge that I may bear? Keeping people motivated. Motivation. Keeping people okay. motivated. How do you keep your team motivated? How many people are on your organization as a, as a total? Ooh. You have some that are active and some that are inactive. Um, it's definitely over 100, but not everyone is active. Okay. Right. So how do you keep your, your, your people motivated? Um, communication, man. So what we're doing now, and these are challenges that we face as well and that we're actually learning how to handle and one way to keep people motivated is to consistently communicate with them. Consistently yeah, communicate, right? Now, you can do it through... Is it like mass emails? Is that what you're I was going to say, you can do that, but people want to hear from you every now and then. Okay. You know, maybe have an event where everybody kind of gets together. Because it kind of helps to rebuild those connections. If it's just email or mass communication, everybody's doing that. Right, so right. what's different between this email and the next email? Nothing Correct. sexy about an email. You know, so at some point you need to bring them in to see you, right? We, we just went to an event, you and I both, where we, we some kind of way bumped into each other in Santa Clara. Mm-hmm. That event was for him to rebuild those connections. Right, right. Right, because he, can, he can't just send emails. Because right. everybody's sending emails. So come and see me in person. That was his whole purpose. Okay. Let me rebrand myself in your mind, the pens, the bags, you know, the books. Okay. You know, jumping up and d- down, dancing and singing and stuff like that. He's re- refreshing. Hey, man, don't you remember me? Mm-hmm. Right. So have, that's super key to do. Okay. He does it three, four, five, six times a year. And then he chills off for six months and then he sends so you all the emails. All so, the emails. so the last question that I have to ask you, mm-hmm. and it's, it's a powerful one. You've come a long way over the years. Mm-hmm. You've come from you having to handle all your customer service and tech support and sales it just you and your partner, mm-hmm. all to have an organization of over 100 people mm-hmm. in your organization. What is the mindset that you have to have and what is the, the mentality that you have to have in order to go from, like, for example, a million dollars in sales all the way to now doing over a billion? Hmm. The mindset. I would say the don't quit mindset. Okay, not quitting. Don't quit mindset. Elaborate a little bit more on that. Um, there's plenty of times when... Because we're the type of, and myself and Darnell, I can speak for him as well, there's plenty of months where we went without. We didn't collect the check sometimes for a year. Wow. Two years. No, but you had to survive. We didn't collect the check. We didn't take any money home. We may take a couple pennies home, pennies home here and there, but we wouldn't collect the check because we wanted to make sure we take care of 1099 and W-2 first. That's what the contract says. We want to abide by that. A lot of companies don't do that, mm. right? They take care of themselves first. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that because, hey, that's just how they do it. Maybe in another life, maybe we'll flip it around and do it the other way because you do have to take care of yourself. But we know salespeople, you will find a way. You follow me? You'll find a way to make it happen. Um, so there were times when we could have easily said, you know what? Nah, you know what? This we. 
it's not it's not working. Everybody else is getting paid, making money, everyone's happy because people that work in your organization, they don't care, man. Because and not that they don't care. They don't care about but what? I don't want to say the word they don't care. People want to make they want to take their checks home. Yeah. W two or two ninety nine doesn't make a difference. Man, what you going through is what you going through. But they can't really care because they can't understand your circumstance. They don't really have a reference point, right? Mm. So people care about what they can reference, right? Maybe if they knew we didn't take any checks home, I'm not saying they'd be like, hey, give me a, uh, I'll take a pay cut for you. I don't think they would say that. But people want to, their primary objective is to take care of themselves. Right. So the don't quit mindset, man, you you must absolutely have, have you, you absolutely have to have a don't quit mindset because there's going to be, there's going to be valleys and peaks where you may make quite a few, you may make quite a few sales and make really good money and sales reps go through the same thing. And then there's going to be sometimes you don't make any money, right? So if you're not making any money, do you know, what do you do? Do you cut your staff income or do you allow them to continually eat and thrive? That's, that's what those big decisions that you have to make, huh? Yeah, yeah, big yeah. decisions you have to make. And then at the same time, your clients can't understand or know that, man, you know what? They, yeah, I can't call my client, hey, I just want to let you know. Yeah, you got to keep going. You, you just got to keep going. Your clients can't know that you're unstable. And not that it's even unstable, but because you have major companies, what they do is just fire a bunch of people. Yeah. Right? They want to save money and pull it back because the economy may appear a certain way or they may want to make more money for management. Okay. They cut a bunch of staff members. It happens all the time. And you as an entrepreneur said, no, I'm going to take care of my people first. Exactly. We never and then cut. I'll take care of myself last. Yeah. We never cut. We could have been crazy multimillionaires by now by doing that. But it took us a little while longer because that was the objective to take care of everybody first. Now, is that the smartest thing to do? Maybe, maybe not. It's, is it... A, a, a but you're reaping, the, you're reaping the benefits yeah. and rewards now. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Man, very impressive story that you have yeah. coming from, coming from you know, you and your partner being on the phones, handling all the operations and even having to squeeze your nose yeah. to be able to make it work right. to now over 100 people in your organization yeah. and doing a billion dollars in sales. Thank you so much for your time, Kyle. Boom. Well, man.